0: This is Hard Place, a novel by R.A. Jacobson. Listener discretion is advised. Contains strong language, violence, and some adult situations. Chapter 71, Mary Lou Goes to the River. The light of her phone shone up at Mary Lou's face, giving her a ghoulish appearance. She clutched it and peered around the dark alley. She had walked this alley hundreds of times at all hours of the night and had never been nervous before. Now she was afraid. Not of the alley or the dark or what might lurk there. She was afraid of having to meet death and its ultimate outcome. She needed Matt to be at her side. She waited, glanced at her phone, peered down the alley, then rechecked her screen. Once more she dialed Matt's number and heard his voice. She spoke before realizing it was his voicemail. She groaned. Where was he? She checked the alley. She called again and again she got voicemail. She hung up, then immediately redialed. I'm here, she left a message and hung up. She waited, then dialed again. Where are you? She hung up and looked down the alley, hoping to see Matt rushing toward her. She redialed his number. Matt, I'm here! I thought you were going to meet me! Where are you? She nearly screamed out of fear and disappointment and frustration. It was time. She had put it off as long as she could. Straightening her shoulders, she headed into the Etchurian. The club was silent and dark. Behind a curtain was a painted steel door she had seen Jean go through. She stepped forward and pushed the door, expecting it to be locked. However, it slid open easily. A light came on, revealing a metal staircase descending. These were the stairs the grey lady had told her about. Thinking of Matt, she moved forward, her loneliness and her fear of physical weight in the pit of her stomach. Her footsteps clanged loudly, echoing into the darkness down the unceasing U-shaped cement stairwell. Hands had worn the railing back to bare, shiny metal over many years of multitudes descending. Landing after landing, a light would come on with a loud, mechanical click as she reached them. She quickly lost count of how many she had passed. Above her, the lights went out sequentially, making her feel like the darkness was settling down on her pushing her deeper into the earth. The stairs ended at a door with a solid chrome bar. It made a loud bang as Mary Lou pushed the door open, slamming against the wall. The sound echoed down the hallway that stretched away from her into the dark. The air hung heavy and reminded her of an abandoned building or factory. It was dry and it smelt of dust and old cardboard. Every ten paces, a light in front of her snapped on, illuminating her way. Behind her, the light clicked off, returning the hallway to darkness. Overhead in the shadows, pipes of different sizes, glossy, black, dirty white, and winding through them thinner cables of silver, blue, and red. They seemed to squirm as if alive. She concentrated on not letting panic take over and walked with a measured stride. She knew if she allowed herself to walk faster, in no time she would be running fully out of control. Eventually, she stood facing a greenish-gray door inset with a window of frosted glass. She stepped through the doorway just as the hallway behind her plunged into black. Here was yet another landing and another set of stairs. Set low in the walls were small, weak lights that hardly lit the way down. There was a slight odor that she knew but at first could not place. After several steps, she realized it was the cloying smell of burning candle wax. The concrete felt very solid and slightly rough underfoot. Her footfalls compared to the last staircase were nearly silent, but she became painfully aware of how loud her labored breathing seemed. The air felt hushed, as if the building above her weighed down, making it thicker. Panic edged closer, making each breath harder. She paused briefly, hand against the stone wall, the dark surrounding her. Feeling extremely alone, she continued walking down. A brighter light ahead finally showed the end of the stairs with an opposing wooden door with a torch burning fitfully at either side. Skeptically, she examined the door, made of dark, heavy wood banded with heavy wrought iron and massive black hinges. Large gouges laced the door as if somebody had attacked it with an axe, hacking violently at the wood. The lower portion of the door was blackened and scorched. She looked at it, wondering how she was going to open it. There was no handle or keyhole. Experimentally, she pushed on the scarred surface, expecting impossible resistance, but it swung open easily and quietly. She took a cautious step forward onto a broad floor lit by several iron braziers. She strained to see past the pool of flickering light, down the hewn stone steps that disappeared into the deeper blackness. The air smelled fresher here with a hint of dampness. From where she stood, she had a sense she was surrounded by great vastness. She realized she was high up on the side of a huge underground cavern whose far walls she could not see. She started down, her eyes slowly adjusted to the gloom. In the distance, she could barely see what looked like far-off mountains, which could not be. The weak light from the open door and the braziers cast a long shadow that dissipated with each step she took and merged with the surrounding darkness. Step after step took her deeper into the cavern. As light behind her faded, her pupils opened wider, and she became aware of another light source. She stumbled to a stop and gasped as she realized that above her was not a cavern ceiling made of stone, but rather a vast night sky littered with thousands of stars. A slight breeze moved her hair as she stared up, mouth slack. Fuck, she said, hardly believing what she was seeing. She continued to descend the interminable stairs. Then her footing shifted and sunk into the surface. She staggered on the uneven ground and bent to look. Reaching down, her fingers slid through black sand, cool and dry. She glanced back up the way she had come. The stone stairs disappeared into the darkness, and all around her was sand that sparkled in the starlight. In the distance stood three figures and a bull moose at the foot of a colossal pier that jutted out into the black river that snaked through the Stygian world. Moored there was a great ship. She walked toward them. After several paces, she recognized her boss, Jean, standing under the expansive antlers. Beside him stood a tall, handsome man dressed in black that she did not know, but her eyes went straight to the last man in the party. Her heart leapt, Matt was here after all. At the sight of him, her fear evaporated. She broke into a run, kicking up sand with each step. She's here. Jean was the first to notice Mary Lou. Ah, at last. It's all down to timing, Mr. White said. Let me talk to her. Matt left the group to meet her. She will not like what you have to tell her, Mr. White said after him. No, she won't, Matt said over his shoulder as she approached. He ran the last few steps. Lifting her off her feet, he hugged her. Matt, I was so worried. I didn't know where you were. I'm sorry, Mary Lou. I had to finalize a few details. Details? Mary Lou asked as Mr. White approached. Mr. White stepped forward. It's so nice to meet you. You may call me Mr. White. He extended his hand to her. She took it briefly, glancing at Matt with a question in her eyes. It amuses me that you, who have walked on the black sand of my world, should be the impetus of all this. That you would reveal this wonderful twist, with a little push, shall get me one of my long-desired goals. You seem so, forgive me, ordinary, and yet you have inspired such passion. I'm sorry, sir, I don't understand. No matter, Mary Lou. Now I believe you and your fine man here have something to discuss. He smiled and stepped back to stand with the moose and Jean. Matt, what's going on? Where are we? Mary Lou, it's been a hell of a week. So much has happened. I can't begin to tell you how weird this is for me. I found out that I don't really know anything. I know one thing for sure. I love you. Let's go on a road trip, Matt kissed her and smiled. A road trip? What's going on? She looked down the black beach at the individual standing there. Yeah, it's the perfect escape for a shitty deal. Matt smiled a big smile and put his arm around her as Mr. White stepped up. Matt, my boy, please take my car. She's perfect for a road trip. Behind her, a beautiful 1959 old Super 88 sat looking as if it was speeding along. The long, low car stood out starkly against the black sand. Mary Lou had never seen a car quite like it. Taking her by the hand, Mr. White led her around to the passenger door. He kissed her hand, an antique gesture that made her feel awkward. Matt sat in the driver's seat, admiring the delicate chrome gear shift and the thin white steering wheel. He started the big V8 and slipped it into gear. Tune in next Tuesday for Chapter 72, Jacob Finds Billy's Stash. Stories from a Hard Place is a narrative podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, R.A. Jacobson presents another chapter from Hard Place, read by the author. Opening music by Noah Zachron. Production Copyright by R.A. Jacobson 2022. If you'd like to support stories from a hard place, please go to patreon.com forward slash hardplace. If you would like a book version, either ebook or print, you can find it anywhere books are sold, including your local library. You can find links to all these and much more at Deadcat Studio. That's deadcatstud.io. Thanks for listening. Keep the shiny side up.